Welcome to Level Up Your Pharmacy Practice, a podcast you can tune into each week to learn about best practices, new technologies, and staffing resources to level up your pharmacy practice. Welcome to the Community Pharmacy Podcast. We are the rebranded Thrive Subscribe Podcast, and all of our previous episodes are still available, and we will be discussing the future of pharmacy practice. My name is Jake Galdo, and I am a community pharmacist and the host of this podcast. I wear a couple of different hats in our profession, anywhere from content development with CE Impact, our producer and supporter of this podcast, to being a CEO of a new startup company developing star ratings for community pharmacies. I'm really excited to have a colleague and friend uh, join us today, and, and he's kind of sharing his insights on what is that pharmacy of the future and how he is the pharmacist of the future. Uh, so I'm really excited that um, our first guest is going to be Ben McNabb at Love Oak Pharmacy. So Ben, thank you so much for uh, joining us on this episode. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's uh, great to be on. Well, again, Ben, thank you so much for, for joining us. We're really excited to to gain your insights and, and help us understand how other pharmacists can be the pharmacists of the future like you. Uh, so can you, can you start out by just telling us a little bit about you and your practice? You know, what's your demographics? What do you do? Why are you uh, an all-star pharmacist? Absolutely. So um, I grew up in rural West Texas and Eastland, Texas. I actually um, started working at the pharmacy I purchased when I was 16 years old, went off to the University of Texas at Austin, came back and bought my hometown pharmacy. Started at, started out as a uh, delivery driver. Um, I like to explain to people that, you know, I've, as, you know, social determinants of health has been a huge um topic of conversation lately, but um, it's just funny that, you know, growing up, that's really what inspired me to be a pharmacist, to seeing how uh, the the previous owner worked in the community to help address a lot of the issues of his patients. You know, there's, you know, basically they were his friends and he would go above and beyond the duties of a, a community pharmacist to take care of his community and his patients. A lot of time that was about connecting them with local resources. So, um, but yeah, we're in uh, rural West Texas. We're about two hours west of Dallas. Uh, my town has about 3,500 people in the city and about 18,000 in the county. Um, we've concentrated on offering uh, immunizations. We also have a diabetes self-management education program that's accredited. We're working on our diabetes prevention program accreditation. And really, the one of our main focuses has been uh, adherence uh, programs, uh, especially with adherence packaging. And that's a little bit about uh, our pharmacy. Awesome. Thanks for, for sharing those insights. And I love that you've already kind of hit upon some of these, these you know, unfortunate buzzwords, but they're also words that, that really resonate uh, with what we do in community pharmacy practice, like social determinants of health, like diabetes education, like adherence packaging. And so... You know, in, in some regards, you can say that that the community pharmacy in the future uh, is not just dispensing medications. We're more than than that commodity. Um, so, you know, what is, what is the community pharmacy of the future to you? Like, what should our practice be aiming towards? Absolutely. You know, my my opinion is the, the future of pharmacy is value based. It's a it's a value based model. And I like to start off by telling people that. Um, you know, paper uh, pay for performance is not going away. 
everyone's very wishful about getting rid of Medicare DIR fees. I mean, I'm I'm right there with you. It's terrible. Um, but even if we get rid of retroactive fees, there's always going to be some type of, of performance-based payment model going forward. And so adherence is absolutely foundational to that. You know, adherence is the first measure that every pharmacy must master. Um, Later on, layered on top of that will be other types of enhanced services, whether that's enhanced counseling um, or other types of interventions that you can provide on top of adherence. So I'll just give everyone a, a quick example. Right now in Medicare, we're mostly measured on uh, adherence to three classes of medications. Um, let's just take diabetes medications as an example. Well, right now, you know, we're measured basically on improving the adherence to oral diabetes meds or some, some long-acting injectables. But in the long term, I do believe that we're going to be shifting toward actually improving the A1C measure or their blood sugar control, which is much more comprehensive. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to give up on adherence. That's absolutely foundational. So that's going to be a part of our you know, offering that we're going to be able to get people to goal. But on top of that, you know, layering on top diabetes education, uh, making sure they have their retinal eye exam. Uh, all types of other interventions that's going to help improve the outcome of that patient, um, help us reach a goal, help save the healthcare system costs, potentially have a share of those savings or have other types of value-based incentives. Um, I, I believe that, you know, the dispensing, dispensing is, is rough. We're always going to have a downward um, pressure on reimbursement, but these enhanced services, I do believe that there's real opportunity in the future for pharmacy to step up into a service delivery model where, um, to generally speaking, service fees do not go down with uh, other healthcare providers. We're trying to break into that, whether it's through value-based, whether through, you know, through some fee-for-service provider status legislation. Um, but, you know, value-based is, is ready to go now. It's, it's mostly about trying to pour gasoline on the fire and, and move payers to uh, pay us differently. So um, I feel like I'm rambling a little bit, but uh, hopefully uh, that was, um, that made sense. I think it, I think it makes sense, and you know what's fun is you you say that you're rambling, but it, it made sense and it's a good story. At the same time, I can always uh, change some stuff in editing. We'll we'll never know, uh, but uh, <laughs> and and I think the the key there is that it's really touching upon outside of just the medication. You know, I can agree with you the the shrinking margins of medications. I refilled mom's uh, medication last week, and we lost eighty one cents, and that's before. Uh, I delivered it to her facility before I packaged it, before we do any of our operational costs. And so, you know, it, it's hard to say um, that pharmacy of the future is dependent solely on that product. Um, so I think that your point about us being a, a member of the healthcare team, being a value add and being part of that value conversation really does play into it. Um, I really like that you pointed out that to you, the cornerstone is, is this model of adherence. Uh, so can you kind of, you know, touch upon that idea of adherence as like a cornerstone and whether or not COVID-19 helped or hindered uh, adherence in your community and how did that uh, impact the vision of community pharmacy for you? Yeah, I mean, uh, our adherence programs were well established before the pandemic, um, but it certainly helped, you know, with the the more contactless you know, environment that we had at the time, because, you know, we've, we've taken our uh, patients to be med synced. You know, we offer the monthly med synchronization, monthly med reconciliation and monthly adherence packaging. 
which is just very comprehensive in in the approach to uh, you know delivering uh, those medications to the patient, and it becomes more appointment based. Um, and during that appointment based model, you're able to make other various interventions, like making sure they've had their COVID vaccine or making sure they've had their flu vaccine or other types of you know products or services that can be offered. Um, or, or, or we're also checking their blood pressure when they're there for their appointment and trying to make sure they're getting to go on their blood pressure. Uh, there's a lot of things that can be done uh, to leverage that uh, appointment-based model and that adherence uh, system. Uh, I will say that I believe COVID-19 has is, is changed quite a bit in the realm of point-of-care testing. Um, you know, right now, Medicare is, is allowing pharmacies to become clinical laboratories, or at least temporarily. We, I believe that will be long-term, but entrances like that into doing some of these fee-for-service point-of-care testing, um, like COVID testing, is going to open the doors, I hope, to things like A1C testing. Um, and also, in, in Texas specifically, our state... Um, COVID testing has been an entry point to have pharmacists be in the medical provider credentialing system. So now my individual pharmacist NPI and my pharmacy's NPI are both visible to the health plans, not just the PBM. So things like this are transformative um, that uh, I'm just very excited to see, you know, how those how those opportunities develop over time. But certainly COVID-19 has, I believe, really accelerated um, the country's perception of what pharmacy can do and is doing. Well, I like the the nuance that you called out right there in regards to um, that awareness to the payer, be it the health plan, not the the pharmacy benefit manager, in regards to the credentialing. I think that's a really strong call out. Yeah. And it's also a good actual item for any listener to say, like, where are you in recognition to uh your health plans in your community, understanding your role and what you can do to support uh, everybody that you help uh, in your local area. So I think that that's really vital. You know, it's kind of interesting because, you know, we, we mentioned adherence packaging, but when it sounds like your adherence packaging is more than just adherence and, and making sure everybody gets the refills, you talked about checking blood pressures and, and you know, really assessing the patients, their immunization status. And, you know, I'm starting to see maybe not in the literature, but within uh, circles of our friends, where we're talking about medication optimization. Uh, so do you think what you do is more towards medication optimization and that holistic approach, or would you still call it, you know, adherence focused? Yeah, we're starting to lean into medication optimization. Um, you know, we, we have, I have um, inside knowledge in Texas with some other, you know, contracting opportunities that we have with health plans directly for things like adherence uh, uh, things like, uh, asthma medication management. So, you know, foundationally speaking, we want to make sure the patients on their asthma controller medicine. And so the adherence programs are foundational to that, but other things like, okay, well, we're doing the act questionnaire where we're assessing, uh, the patient's uh, asthma control. Okay. Well, they're not at goal. So do we have an action plan? What does that action plan? Uh, what does that action plan say? What is the step therapy uh, for the various uh, types of, you know, uh, medications that are used in asthma and working more uh, collaborative, collaboratively with that physician, whether you actually have a collaborative practice agreement or whether you're just working by calling and, and communicating with staff and explaining uh, the situation and trying to have therapy change to optimize care. And uh, I'm excited that uh, we have a program like that with a 
Texas Medicaid plan uh, that has been initiated. We're trying to get it off the ground. You can't, you can't imagine the types of barriers there are to get a program off the ground, like you know, data security, et cetera. But we're we're nearly across the finish line to get it, getting it started. But um, I mean, just imagine having a shared savings for reducing ER visits for those patients. I mean, it's just it's just completely transformative. Now we're hoping that. You know, these pilot programs like that are super successful so that we can expand that uh, more broadly uh, for pharmacy. But, you know, those are the types of things that just get me super excited about, you know, the profession and, and where where we can go with everything. Hopefully that's a good example. That sounds, I think that's an amazing example because essentially you're, you're saying I started with adherence. Then I focused on optimization holistically with the folks in my community. And then, you know, I worked with a local payer for a value kind of contract on a specific area, in your case, asthma. I think that's a great kind of pathway for folks that might not be the pharmacy of the future, but also it's showing us the vision of what that pharmacy of the future really looks like. And so, you know, it also sounds like you touched upon it from data integrity. You know, a lot of this can be done manually, but we also use technology to support us. You know, do you have any uh, tips, trips, recommendations in regards to technology and technology products that might help support other pharmacies in this effort? So for our adherence packaging, I couldn't recommend more um, RX Safe. Um, they provide our Rapid Pack RX, um, and that has been instrumental for for my operation to really scale up adherence packaging. Uh, whether it's the pharmacist uh, inspection camera system or the uh, cassettes that automatically calibrate to whatever NDC we decide to put in them, you know that's a real challenge. Is the inventory management always trying to source the lowest cost generic? And having to recalibrate canisters all the time with some some of these technologies, um, that's really um, rev- honestly their technologies really revolutionized that um, because the canisters automatically calibrate to whatever you need to go into the adherence packaging. So for us, it's just made it much more scalable. I think that our pharmacy could put out probably a thousand um, adherence packages per month. When um, I back in the day, it really felt like we were stuck at that two to three hundred uh, patient a month. Uh, just because of how difficult some of the technologies are to operate and and really do it efficiently. Um, additionally, I've had great success with the folks over at FBS Amplicare. Um, I use their um, clinical documentation platforms and their other data platforms to um, to work on adherence interventions um, and to identify other types of clinical opportunities like uh, immunizations, et cetera. Um, so, and we also use them for our, our MedSync and uh, adherence programs and some of our workflow. Uh, so that's also been uh, super helpful. Awesome. Well, thank you for, for giving those uh, recommendations to folks. So my last kind of question is, you know, a lot of what we talk about, and you even touched upon it a little bit with DIRPs, is we, we like to say, I'm a five-star pharmacy. I'm a great pharmacy. Uh, can you help us define that? So how would you define a five-star pharmacy? Well, I think obviously the, the people over at Equip and the pharmacy quality solutions are important. Um, I, I do believe that you know a lot of those performance measures will change over time, and that should be you know the a, a quality score based on clinical outcomes and performance is important. But I also think a real area of interest for me is you know a lot of other providers and hospitals and other types of settings they have a patient satisfaction survey can you imagine if we had a patient satisfaction survey score in the pharmacy industry 
I wonder what the different, you know, what that differential would be between the mail order companies and the large chains. And does, you know, does do relationships matter? Does a local trusted relationship matter? And I think one way to prove that out is through a patient satisfaction survey um, and just making sure that uh, pharmacies that are able to, you know, take care of that patient at a higher degree and a higher level of satisfaction, they, they should be you know, they should be incentivized. That, that should be incentivized in our system. Um, it shouldn't be about doing everything as fast and cheap and and as impersonal as possible. That's kind of the system we're in right now. And I, I do think that that's an area of interest that I would be highly interested to learn more about. It sounds like there are some emerging uh, companies trying to produce something like that. So that's exciting to hear. Awesome. Well, uh, Ben, thank you um, very much for, for all of your insight, everything that you've talked about today. Uh, we're excited for you to be part of our conversation and other conversations. Uh, the future of pharmacy is now, and we always like to leave our, our listeners with the idea, are you the pharmacist of the future? So, Ben, thank you again for, for joining us, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you. You too.